Thank you so much for that uh, start. Um, this is first time meeting him. It's my first time um, kind of being in, in this spot. I'm normally on an instrument, hiding behind you know the scenes, being able to be up there for a couple minutes and let somebody else do all the talking, um, which I usually prefer. Um, but thank you that you really kind of set me up um, very well. Um, just a lot of the message, just thinking about this worship experience right now, um, there was a lot that, a lot of the themes that he was saying fit in perfectly to what um, I want to talk with you guys about today. Um, but um, I've got my cheerleading section back there. If you hear somebody crying, that could be my youngest. And if you see somebody waving around jumping, that's my oldest. But um, uh, what I wanted to share with you today, um, I want to read a passage from 1 Corinthians 12 um, that will pretty much be the focus of what I'll be talking about today. People are like, all right, so this landscaper is coming up here to talk to us about plants. That's awesome, you know. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> um, don't worry, it's not going to be a spiel completely about plants and how to cut grass and mow lawns. So um, I'll mix it up for you guys a little bit. Uh, just as, so 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 18 says, Just as the body, though one, has many parts, but it has many parts, but it, all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Quincy people, New Englanders, West Coasters, Australians. I think we have a couple of Australians here. Um, doesn't matter. We were all given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Um, it plays right into the song we sang about identity and kind of figuring out who we are. Um, I'm, I'm thankful that you shared a little bit about who you are, just even that little glimpse, because we all come here today with many parts. We're all forming one group in this sanctuary. We have many different stories. We have many different backgrounds. Um, but it all plays into who you are as an individual, and that should never be overlooked. Um, like I said, I'm a little reluctant to be up here today because this is not something that I'm a fan of. I'm not a great preacher. If you came to hear a great sermon, I can give you plenty of YouTube links, um, or just come every Sunday morning and you'll probably hear some, some good messages, or you've got a great crew here. So it's all right. Don't, don't expect anything, uh, a great sermon today. But um, one of the things um, that I want to start with is more of a conversation. Um, it's kind of hard when you've got a couple hundred people here to have a conversation. We'd probably be here a long time if we all started sharing, but... Um, maybe this can kind of begin a conversation or continue a conversation that um, your chaplain has um, touched upon a couple times. Um, but I'll tell you a little bit about where I'm from. If you don't know who I am, or if you don't know anything about me or any of my siblings that 
wander this campus. Um, I am Sam Monkern. I'm from Pennsylvania, New England. I've never really had one specific place that I call home. I was born in Ohio, half an hour outside Cleveland, so I'm very excited this time of year, and I'm hoping we can bring home a championship today. Um, for any Cleveland fans out there, there might be one or two. Um, but when I was going through the college search um, and looking for schools, ENC was not a top choice for me. Uh, I was familiar with the uh, Nazarene background. I grew up Nazarene, but ENC was something that I was like, I don't want to go there because I either, you know, know too many people or just it, I felt like it didn't really appeal to what I was going for at the time. Um, I could get more money if I went to a school where my sister was at because we'd get a nice little sibling scholarship. But in the end, ENC pulled through and gave me more dollar bills than I was expecting. So I ended up deciding to come here, um, which I didn't realize, but kind of set me up for a theme for the rest of my life about wanting to go one way and then finding out that I want to go somewhere else and then realizing, oh, wait, I'm doing the same thing that I wasn't going to do. So um, as many of you might find through your journeys. Um, so part of the reason that ENC did appeal to me at first was location and diversity. Uh, where I grew up, majority of my years in Pennsylvania, a lot of it was farming, rural communities. Um, diversity wasn't you know, something very big out there. Uh, Quincy is far more diverse. And even just this campus, I worked in, for a couple of years after college, I worked in uh, college admittance, kind of college prep, for a couple different youth programs in the city. And ENC is one of the few schools in this area that has as high of a diversity rate. So you can pat yourself on the back for contributing. And that kind of focuses in on, um, I'm going to come back to that diversity aspect in a little bit. But while I was here, I majored in, oh, and it was also an urban, suburban setting, something that was a l not quite as familiar to me. Uh, we lived outside in York, PA, not far from Baltimore. So we saw that kind of change from a farming community into a suburban area of Baltimore. A lot of people coming in and out from Baltimore, York, Harrisburg area. Um, but where I thought I would be while I was here, I, I majored in religion, I majored in psychology. Um, I was so thankful for those experiences. And, but since then, I guess I've had kind of like an identity crisis trying to figure out, all right, how's this play into what I'm doing or what I want to do, and I'm one of the, if you look at my siblings, every one of us kind of chose a career path that was either specific, and I know what I want to do, this is where I'm going. If you were an even-numbered child like I am, and if you don't know how many kids are in my family, you're like, how many kids does this guy have? Um, there are seven siblings of mine, um, I'm number two, and every other child, I noticed, kind of doesn't really know what they want to do, and I was one of those, I don't really know where I want to go type of people. Um, but where I thought I would be while I was in school was, I was in psychology, I was in religion. Where do you think I would go from there? Pastoral ministry, I was involved in worship teams, I still help lead worship here um, on a regular basis. Um, but I, I think in the end, I guess I saw myself back in Pennsylvania somewhere, and even that I think was a little bit of a, a battle for a few years um, and kind of giving God control over that aspect of my life and letting him kind of 
shape me and mold me where he wants me to go. Um, and where I am now, grounds manager at ENC, this is my fourth year at ENC as a full-time employee, um, and I will say I do love it. Um, at first, I wasn't quite sure um, what to expect. It, I had done landscaping and kind of that farming lifestyle growing up, but I wasn't necessarily going to choose that as a career. Little did I know, I would be going around campus pulling weeds out of cracks in the sidewalks that I used to hate doing in the summer for other people I used to work with. I worked on a sheep farm for a while and shoveling sheep sh manure. Um, <laughs> we, <laughs> my brother and I spent many hours um, shoveling wonderful sheep manure out of sheep stalls. Um, and if anybody has lived um, in Spanish building towards the back end, can you raise your hand? Do any of you know any familiar smells that might protrude from that area that come wafting in your windows at times? You might have had the blessing of smelling our wonderful grass pile, so my grounds crew, whenever we finish mowing, we happen to dump our grass pile behind that area of Spanish, and it's a terrible, cruel joke to play on our freshman ladies that they get to smell that anytime we get to load it in the truck. And that's kind of what sheep manure smells like. Um, so all these things that I hated growing up, I'm realizing, oh, this is stuff I love. Yeah, let's, let's get dirty throwing, you know, shoveling poop-smelling grass onto the truck. Um, but it's a very different setting. Um, and I'm seeing a little more purpose in what I do than I did when I was in high school. Um, so, this is kind of where I'm at. Um, like I said, I didn't envision myself being here. I wasn't planning on staying around this area. There was a certain Italian lady from Long Island that kind of helped me keep my time in Quincy a little bit longer, and eventually I married her, and now we have two kids, which is awesome. Um, but the job and the opportunities were also available here um, that I wasn't getting elsewhere. And one of the things that was ingrained in me growing up was this idea of functionality. Um, if you're on my ground screw, you've probably heard me say it more than once. It's probably my favorite word. Um, probably because it was so driven into me when I was younger. And this idea of functionality and using the gifts and abilities that we have. We've all, like I said, we've all had experiences, good or bad, they all make us who we are. And just as in verse 18, but in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. We each play a specific part in this greater picture, in the greater kingdom and in the body of Christ. So in this work I do on ENC, you're like, okay, how's this applied to the work you do? You cut grass, you trim trees, you mow lawns, you know. How does this apply to the work we do. Um, what I'm learning more and more about the job that I have on this campus and about landscaping in general, um, and this is my little landscaping spiel, so um, I hope you enjoy it. Um, but what I've learned from landscaping, a lot of times it's focused on maintenance, um, keeping something looking nice, keeping the appearances up. Uh, we really, you know, want to make something look as best as possible. Put these flowers here because they look awesome. Put this tree here because, you know, it's going to fill this space and do this. Have a beautiful green lawn. Um, and as a side note, I'm becoming less and less of a fan of lawns, so 
Um, I apologize. But um, the, and what I'm understanding is that it's a bit more complex than that. And that landscaping and the work I do shouldn't just be something that we maintain, but something that is cultivated and enhanced. And I think in every situation you find yourself, I think if you can go in with that perspective, looking at it as, all right, this is where I'm at, how can I improve upon this, or how can I advance and enhance this? Um, you see it throughout scripture. You see it, if you really want to succeed um, in your careers, don't just go into a job saying, all right, I'm going to do the status quo. I'm going to maintain this level of, of work. If you truly want to be great, invest a little bit more. See how you can change that current setting and offer your gifts and abilities. Even if you don't think it applies, see what you can do to improve that. Because um, what I'm learning through the work I do is that appearance isn't everything. Um, that this ecosystem has many different parts that are interacting with each other. Um, let me give you an example of functionality in this, this view. We have on this campus a beautiful arboretum. Um, it's got a lot of history here. We have some trees outside Angel that were brought over from China, and they're some of the oldest in the country. Um, and not a lot of people know that. They're awesome. They're beautiful specimens, but they do not serve a greater purpose in this eco range. Um, they are not native to this area, and so they don't have a lot to offer the local ecosystem, or if you want to think about it, the local body or congregation of you know, interworking webs. Um, we do have on this campus some beautiful Japanese maples. Um, again, not something that is native to this environment and has caused issues at times taking up space that other contributing parts could be um, utilized in. We have some amazing red maples. Right now, the, maple, the red maple on the back side of Monroe Parlor is in full color. Absolutely gorgeous. I've been taking pictures of it all over the place. Um, red maples themselves produce 300 species of caterpillars, um, or produce food for 300 different species of caterpillars. They, they offer a food source for that kind of lower level of the ecosystem. And as you move up, you realize that if you take a Japanese maple and a red maple in this environment and find out which one's more functional, they both look beautiful uh, for different reasons, but the red maple is actually far more beneficial to our ecosystem and the ecology around us because it offers f a food source for many different birds. I was just talking to a couple of my students about chickadees the other day. It's our Massachusetts state bird. Um, in order for a chickadee to produce a clutch of eggs from the time they hatch to the time they leave the nest, it's a little less than two weeks. Those chickadees the parents have to go out and collect over 6,000 to 10,000 caterpillars a day. If this campus were all Japanese maples, how many th caterpillars do you think they would get? A big whopping zero. There's not a lot of uh, smaller animals in the food chain that can utilize the Japanese maple. The red maple, on the other hand, produces over 300 species. Oak trees produce over, um, especially native oaks, will produce over 500 species of caterpillars. So when you start to think about how something contributes to its environment, um, that's, a, that's a pretty good comparison and an example for you. 
And that kind of leads me into how I want to talk about diversity and how that applies to us um, in this setting. And, you know, we hear about diversity all the time, and a lot of times it's, it's a racial um, focus, but I think for us that it probably, um, if we can understand it in a cultural term, it would probably be more applicable to our lives. Because um, you can say, I am such and such, or I'm from somewhere. I'm just going to grab the uh, mic right here. Um, so, JD, you are part of this campus. Where are you from? Originally born in South Korea. What is something you passion, you're passionate about? Basketball. Nice. I have played with a man. He's an excellent point guard. Can I pick on somebody? Um, Noah, I'm from New Jersey. What are you passionate about? Music. Excellent. Any other volunteers? I'm hearing a certain Robert over here. Yeah. I'm Robert, I'm from New Jersey, and I'm passionate about my job. He just said that because his boss is speaking in chapel today. Your name? I'm Kate. I'm Kaden. Where are you from? Uh, Colorado. Colorado, nice. One more. Hi, um, I'm Annalise. I'm from California, and I'm passionate about soccer. Soccer. I need one more back here. Right here? Right here? Since you, since you volunteered, I'll let you go. Right here. Right here. Anybody? Go for it. <laughs> How about you tell me your name and I'll tell you where you're from. Or you can tell me. And where are you from? Lynn, Massachusetts. Nice. A local. Um, so just by going through this congregation and going through this group of students, we saw we had so two people from New Jersey, South Korea, Colorado, California, and Massachusetts. And that was, none of that was planned. I did not plan to have that many. I can... Get rid of this because I don't need it. So we, we kind of see how, oh, I didn't ask. From Lynn, Massachusetts, what's something you're passionate about? I put her on the spot. I'm sorry. Um, she doesn't know. That's all right. No pressure. So, but as you see, as we start to understand the relationships surrounding us and those that we're connected with, if somebody said, hey, I'm from Pennsylvania, I'm like, oh, awesome. Everybody's grandmother lives in Pennsylvania, I found out. Where, where are you from? Where, where do you, you know, what do you f do? What do you like doing? Um, so we automatically make these connections. Um, sorry if I'm going a little bit long. I've got five minutes, so I'll make sure I... I tighten it up. Um, but kind of, I, I want to kind of come back to this idea of diversity and, and being functional in our setting. We can, I think a lot of times when we're in this stage of life, we struggle with um, what is my purpose? Where am I going? We can, people can ask us, oh, what's your major? You know, what are you studying? And, and we can say it and we can you know, put that label on us, but it might not specifically be, we still may have a lot of questions about where we want to go and what we want to do. Um, and it can still be challenging to kind of understand, like, 
nobody's going to know exactly where they're going to be. I never expected myself to be here this long and do the work that I'm doing. Um, but one of the things I realized was that I need to ascribe, meeting, ascribe meaning to what I do. One of my favorite authors, um, Timothy Keller, um, says that we need, to, we need to be able to ascribe meaning and importance to what we do. He emphasizes that some people believe that our existence on this earth is accidental and that we are not created for a purpose and that there is nothing for us after death. He doesn't say this, but there are people out there that believe this. So if our origin is insignificant and our ending is insignificant, then wouldn't that mean that our existence is insignificant? And as I work with people every day, we are not created to be solitary beings. We have these relationships that affect the lives of those around us um, and that we, were, we do have purpose in what we do. And sometimes finding that purpose, even in the jobs that might not seem so glorious, when I was shoveling sheet manure, I never thought that that would be something that I would be able to serve my community here doing something similar. So that kind of prepped me in my nasal passages for doing you know, some stinky jobs around here on occasion. Um, but just as kind of with that example of the red maple and the Japanese maple, we can be planted in a space wherever we happen to be. These trees didn't choose to be planted here. They didn't want to be planted here. But this, is hap this happened to be where they ended up. And they're going to do the best they can. So we can either take up space and complain about the situation we're in, or we can find a way to incorporate our skills and abilities, even if it's something foreign. I am very foreign to Massachusetts. Other than the fact that it's in the Northeast Corridor, um, Massachusetts is, is a place that's very unfamiliar to me. The people talk weird. Of course, I talk weird to them because I ask questions very strange, and if you want me to ask you a question later, then I'll explain that later, but that's another story. Um, but this, this area I've lived in for the past 10 years is still very new for me and kind of out of my comfort zone. But I can choose to say I'm not going to contribute to the community around me, or I can choose to increase the gifts and abilities that have been given to me and share that with those around me. Um, I'd like to close with a verse that kind of has been a mantra for me through this process and that hopefully will be a reminder to you that no matter the situation you find yourself in, you can always find greater purpose in that because your identity isn't in that setting, your identity isn't in a specific job or program of study or even your upbringing. But it's in the fact that we are children of God. We are part of the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. We were put here for a specific purpose. And Colossians 3.23-24 through 24 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as if working for the Lord and not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. It's not, it's not the job you're doing. It's not the community you're in, but it's, if we do this as if we're serving the Lord, we will find great meaning in what we do.